All right, Chavre, here we go. We are starting our new, it's going to be a mini-series, but a very important series. Um, we're going to be speaking about the seven, in English, prophetesses, if that's the right word. If not, I stand correct. Ah, the seven prophetesses that the Jewish people were blessed with. Um, just for the record, it's very easy to find out at least the root information about them because the Gemara speaks about it. I'm, we're going to learn it out of the Gemara, as we sometimes do. It's fascinating. The Gemara, for those who would like to look it up, is in the tractate of Megillah on page 14a, going into 14b. Actually, the Gemara there is speaking about how many male prophets, how many female prophets, men and women, 48 men and 7 women. And I think that what we'll dedicate today will be more about words of introduction. There were thousands of both male and female Nevi'im and Nevi'ois, at least in Hebrew I can pronounce it properly, just to make that clear, that the limited number of seven is where we have in Scripture them being recorded as having the level of Nevu'ah. That is why we limit it to seven, but obviously the fact that this the limited definition of not just women who merited the level of prophecy, which were, again, there were thousands, but seven is because they shared prophecy and it's recorded in Tanakh that they received and shared Nevius. There's a meaning behind Bechlal number seven and meaningful, obviously, will be who the seven women are. So just, again, we're going to speak more words of introduction today. The seven Nevius, and I'm going on the order of Chazal, which is also the chronological order. You have Sara. Actually, she was named Yiska. In the Torah, she's called Yiska. Then she was called Sarai. And then ultimately, she's called Sara. Second one is Miriam, the brother of Moshe Rabbeinu, the brother of Aaron. The sister. Thank you, the sister. I stand corrected. <laughs> sister of Moshe. She was five years older than him. The third one is Devoira Eshes Lapidus. Not only was she a Nevi'ah, but she was also a Shoifetes. We can touch upon that, but that was from very unusual. That, that means that she was a judge for the Jewish people. This is in the era where the leadership um, was, we didn't have a king. We didn't even want a king. We wanted to have someone who would tell us what God wants. And like it was in the desert, even though we call Moshe Rabbeinu a king, but he was a Rebbe, he was a teacher. In the ideal society, you don't need to have power to enforce the law. You need to have uh, inspiration to enforce the law. Just tell me what God wants. And until today, that's, that, that, that plays an important role in Jewish leadership. It doesn't, it's not effective in Golos for everyone because many people, if it's not convenient for him or for the herd to follow the halach, if you don't have power, then you can know what God wants and we rationalize and that's the tragedy of today and that's just, a, again, you know, parenthetically, when people do have a dispute and they go to a Din Torah, you have to go with expectations, which is just because the Beisdin will rule for you, it doesn't always mean, sadly, that that will be executed. The Beisdin can only do their best with God's help in, in knowing what God says in the scenario. But how do you enforce that? And in the beginning of our history, as well as after Mashiach will come, we don't need enforcers. In the ideal society, you don't need enforcers. Even in parenting, the ideal parenting tool should not be, if you don't listen to me, you'll get punished. 
or you'll get rewarded. Ideally, in the ideal world, as long as we know what's right and what's wrong, then the person on their own will be their own enforcers. So anyways, that was at the era that we didn't want a king, we didn't need a king, we didn't need a government, we needed to have people that knew what God wants, and she was then the leader. Chana is number four. Chana is the wife of Elkanah. Elkanah himself was a Navi, as recorded in Nach. She was one of the seven. Number five is Abigail, first married to Novel, then remarried to David HaMelech, one of the wives of David HaMelech. She's recorded as being an Avia. Number six is Chulda, with the whole story behind Chulda means a weasel. Fascinating story about Chulda HaNavia and the seventh and final um, in this archetype of woman prophetesses, prophetesses, prophetesses is Esther Hamalka, who not, who not only was an Avia, but they're the only safer of the Chav Dalet Tzvarim that were written by her, named Dafka exclusively on her name, not even Megillas Mardechayva Esther, is what we call Megillas Esther. Okay, so we have Sara, Miriam, Devoida, Chana, Abigail, Chulda, and Esther. Now, here we go. Okay. Oh. Okay, you're good. You came perfectly on time. And again, today, before we start going inside the Gemara, and the Gemara really um, will we'll look for the sources as we will begin. Sources meaning there were thousands of women that reached the level of being a prophet, but the ones that are recorded in Tanakh, we have to find where are they recorded as an introduction. The Rambam enumerates the concept the, the reality of prophecy as one of our 13 principles of faith. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal. In other words, our emuna that Hashem chooses part in part, and in part it should be underlined, based on the merit of the individual, that they should communicate with Hashem, and Hashem should communicate with them on a level that we call prophecy, which is kind of awesome because God is God. So there's one thing, you know, God communicating to the world what He wants, and then there's God talking to you. Many, many levels in prophecy, but there was a general term of prophecy that Elikim, Nenabe, Esbenayodem, is a principle in Jewish faith. And it's really related to a, a prior principle, which is that not only did God create, but God is creating, as Hasidus teaches, which means God is involved, and if God is involved, which God is, part of His involvement is that when there is a need, you can use the word, the psychological word of an intervention. So there's an intervention. Now, some interventions can be by koyach, like God can just annihilate our enemies, as Hashem has done for us many times over. So when Sanchev and his troops surrounded Yerushalayim, and they could have destroyed it by the laws of nature with, without any effort. There were so many soldiers gathered around Yerushalayim that instead of needing to batter the, war, the wall down, Kaminik, the armies then, he laughed Sanchev and he said, I have to batter the wall down. I'm going to command each soldier to take off one ship of stone. And not more. And there were so many soldiers there that had every soldier taken off a little crumb of the stone. There would be no Chaymas Yerushalayim. That's how strong they were 
And we all know that Yerushalayim physically looks very little. Even though it's the center of the world, it's like astounding. That's the holy, the holy Yerushalayim, that little walled city. And we're looking at it Bisman by Yesheni in the first temple. For those who do tours in Yerushalayim, the walls were even closer to Harabais. It was Mamash, it's a little, little town. And it's the greatest city and the most beautiful city in the world. Okay. So what God, God made a miracle, they just died. The soldiers died, or the Gemara says that they had 180-some thousand officers. Not soldiers, that means there were millions of soldiers then. All of the officers died. So there are interventions that God can do without communication verbally to an individual, but one of the ways Hashem intervenes is by choosing an individual, in part based on their schus, and communicates to them. How does that work? How can the infinite God talk to you? What exactly will you hear? There are, we do have, when you compile together little statements here, little statements there, we do have a picture of what it looks like to a certain degree. In the times of the first Beis HaMikdash, there were schools that would educate people how to become prophets. Once a person is worthy to be a prophet, they would be called B'nai Nevi'im, like Bar Mitzvah or Bas Mitzvah, not the son of the father who's a Navi, but you are worthy to be a Navi or a Nevi'ah. Worthy doesn't mean that God spoke to you, but that now you're worthy, which is also another nuance of how we Jews understand prophecy in contrast, for example, like other religions. Lahavdal, if you can call them a religion, like Islam. Islam believes in their theology that since it's God that's coming to a person and to God all people are equal, that God communicates through idiots. Dafke. In other words, one being a prophet doesn't say anything about his or her quality. God can pick anyone. And God could pick anyone. But Yiddishkeit, the emesis, is that God does not pick anyone. Hashem picks individuals that climbed up their mountain. The greatest metaphor is Har Sinai. That, so to say, God came from billions of miles away. out in outer space. Even though God is everywhere. And God came all the way down. So why did God ask for Moshe, Nebuch, an 80-year-old man, to climb up the mountain? I know it's a little mountain. It was not a big mountain. If you would see it, it would be like a little hill. But so what? Come all the way down. You already traveled the long. Go another couple of feet. And that's the birth of Nevoah. Of course, God gaps the biggest part of the bridge between infinity and finitude. Hashem does 99.99 of the infinite leap, but God expects of the recipient of the nevuah to make some effort. So if someone receives prophecy, that's not that God can communicate through anyone. That's an indication that that individual is indeed a great, what we will call the tzaddik, a very refined person. Or a tzaddikus. That's exactly what we're talking about. Okay, that's why now the Arik, even we believe that after the era of prophecy ended as a, as a judge, it used to be common. When it ended, as a, we don't commonly have prophets, Hashem now will communicate through children and through idiots. We do have that concept now? nowadays. That means that even though the Baal Shem Tov says that everything you see and everything you hear is Ashkach Pratis, but if a Meshug and a homeless guy shout something at you, it has significance. Dafke because they're not well. So they're, they're a better channel. They're not getting in the way. And the same thing is asking a child, what Pasuk did you learn today? Which means you have to send your child to a school where they teach children Pesukim. That's a big thing. Ask your kids, what Pasuk did you learn today? I wonder what your children would answer. Normally the children will say, I learned nothing. Mm-hmm. Ask your kid, what did you learn today? Nothing. 
But there's a story where someone asked a child, and then like a, a, a holy person asked a child, and then he knew that the destruction was going to come. Mordechai asked oh, a child. Right, right, right. You had the Nirus, Nero in Kesar, the, 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 the Roman general, prior to laying siege around Yerushalayim, which led at the end to the Churban by Sheni through Titus, because he became the Caesar when he was still the general, he asked the child, what Pasuk did you learn? They knew that this is the way we divinate. Like the old Igeres HaKodesh, the old Igeres, was ask a child, tell me a Pasuk. What did you learn today? And that Pasuk is the closest we get to Nevoah nowadays. And Davka, now a child is because they're pure, they're tzaddikim. The idiot is because they don't get in the way, the shaita, the deranged. But that's not the ideal medium of prophecy, is that you need to be worthy of. You have to be a, what we would call a benini of tanya. It has to be a person that's divested um, from a, an indulgence in that which is not necessary, the gashmias. It has to be a person that is fully in control of the impulses. These are things that most of us struggle our whole lives with. You have to be people on a very high madrega. Now, people can reach that level and never merit prophecy. There were many people that Chazal tell us that they should have been prophets, but the generation was not worthy, the generation, to have amongst them a prophet. It doesn't mean that when there is a prophet that the generation is that worthy. The Rebbe said that the, the previous Rebbe was a Navi on the level of the Neviim. And therefore Hasidim say that the Rebbe had mamish that level of Nevoah, which is a very big thing. The Baal Shem Tov said that Nevoah will come back to the Jewish people prior to the coming of Mashiach. But, coming back to our Gemara, they're not going to be counted amongst the prophets because the Rebbe never said that Koi Omar Hashem, God told me to tell you. He never received prophecy and shared it on the level of a prophecy, quoting, this is what God told me as a prophet. Like when Sarah, Miriam, Devoyer, Chana, Vigayim, Chud, and Esther did. We're going to these women. There were many other women prophets, but they were unique in that they are recorded in Tanakh as having Nevoah, and their Nevoah is recorded. Okay. Another important intro. God communicates through people, to people, on a lower level called Ruach HaKodesh, and one should not be confused to the other. There's Nevoah and there's Ruach HaKodesh. For lay people like us, it's more or less the same, but it's not the same. How they differ, I don't know. I can repeat some words. I don't want to focus on it that much. It's a whole different type of divine communication, divine communication. But it's important to answer the following question. Why are the Nevi'im and the Ksuvim divided into two different books? What makes the Kituvim different than the Nevi'im? Ksuvim, let's say, Tehillim is the Ksuvim. Tehillim is Dovra Melech. Dovra Melech was a Navi. So why is it in the Nevi'im? Shlomo HaMelech was a Navi. Why is Mishle in Ksuvim? Torah, okay. Nevi'im, the prophets and the writings. One second, the Nevi'im are not writings? Of course they're writings. We have them, it's a book. These are good questions to have an answer to. So what will be your answer? No one is watching you. Mm-hmm. No names quoted here. The level of prophecy, the clarity? That's the, that's the difference. Mamash, it's clear. In other words, the Gemara, the words, that the Nevi'im are the books that were written, were information that was received on the level of Nevuah, Nevi'im. And Kesuvim are the books that were written on the level of Ruach HaKodesh. Not to minimize Ruach HaKodesh. Ruach HaKodesh is something relatively a lot more common. Tzadikim of Ruach HaKodesh. We, so David had, David Hamalk was a Navi. When he went into a state of Nevius, had he written then the Tehillim, it would have been called Nevuah. 
but he was divinely inspired when he wrote it or when he compiled it, but he wasn't in the state of Nevoah, so that's not going to be called Nevoah. Who decided that this was Ezra? Ezra described. How did he know that was an, a Navi or was he... Either with Ruach HaKadosh or, or with Navias. <laughs> no, no, it's very important. That. Yeah. So Tzadikim always had Ruach HaKadosh. And parents, when they name their children, they have Parents have Ruach HaKadosh, but Arizal calls it a good point. A minor Ruach HaKadosh because we don't feel the divine inspiration. We're not aware of it. Just pick a name because we, we just we know that they're like even though that nothing is by mistake, there's a special divine intervention pulling the strings, putting thoughts in your minds more than usual because this must be the name. Can I ask a question? Sure. So from we're talking about from the human's perspective, what we have to do to get there, what type of prophecy, oh. how clear. What about from Hashem's perspective? What is this infinite being that doesn't communicate? What you mentioned on Maybe. Shabbos that Moshe Rabbeinu felt Hashem's emotions, and I can't stop thinking about that. What does that even mean? Amazing. I don't know. I can know the words, but it's it's kind of amazing. In other words, the idea of Nevoah... Can you repeat the question? The question is, no, Shoshana just wants to point out the awesomeness. Even though we heard these words, we don't really, we should stop and pause and sit for a moment with the idea that a human being is able to, to yeah, Nevoah, you can say, can feel God. They see, they see divine images. The Ramban, the Nachmanides, who wrote Beruah HaKadosh, could be he was a Navi, we don't know. Who always speaks about, like it was a common thing by them, all of these beings that they see, he saw beings and the wondrous colors. Like he's, he, he liked, he lived, he was here and he saw, he didn't see what we saw. He also saw us, but he saw other things that was common for them. But it wasn't just about seeing, it's more about connection on a level that you begin to feel what God is feeling. That's a miracle because God is infinite. And by the way, Nevi'im, when they entered in a state of Nevu'ah, not Ruach HaKadosh, the only exception is Moshe Rabbeinu. Aside of him, all of the other Nevi'im completely lost their faculties. What does that mean? That means that even if they, they weren't able to stand. So actually, they would get on the floor. There's a Sefer written. They would put their heads in between their knees, a fetal position. This is before, because if they didn't get ready, they would, they would, they, you know, yeah, they would fall down. Did they know it was coming? They, some of them, them knew that it was coming. Some of them got a warning with Ruach HaKadosh. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they didn't. But uh-huh. while they were having the Nervuah, it was, you cannot be here and there. Ruach HaKadosh, yeah. So you ask the Rebbe, and the Rebbe knows. Ruach HaKadosh. Nervuah, the Navi would not see the human being when he's in that state, because he's, 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 a, he's an extension of God. The only exception was Moshe Rabbeinu. The only exception. That he somehow managed to be in the state of Nevoah and, and he was still grounded. Enough to, he could have been here awake with his eyes open. The Nevi'im were not that way. So he could be in multiple places. Right. Doesn't it say that they like shook or like rolled on the floor? Something like that. So it does. It sounds like it was like a convulsion. They were having convulsions when it happened. Like a seizure. Like a seizure. Okay. Now another final, very important words of introduction. Being that the Hashgacha Pratis today is Yudbeis Tamus. To which we're going to have a beautiful Fabrengen tonight. It's going to come even just a little bit to speak more about the Friedrich Rebbe and to make his Yamtav of Geula, our Yamtav of Geula. Um, I do want to mention the following correlation is that in the beginning of the communist movement, that means in 1920, and 1917, and 18, and 19, and 20, for those of us who came from the Soviet Union, 
many good people became communists. Because it was, a, it, was a, it was an ideology that had a lot of good in it. It had a beautiful image of how the world should become. It sounded good. It sounded Equality, good. Equality, that's its main thing, it, right? It not only, whatever it was, and I want you to know that there's a huge, um, there's a huge correlation between progressivism and the left now, with, 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 with that good people, good people, right, right. the ideas, some of them are amazing. And the reality was that the communists became so cruel. Which nation in history killed 40 million of their own people? The Russians. The Russia is Russia. Now it makes sense. The, the Russians. That's what's so crazy. So I want to just, if we should be aware for our, co- our children that a lot of these progressive ideas are attractive and they're hopping our children and they're hopping our former children. And this, we know from the Rebbe Mashiach is coming, but if Mashiach would not have been coming, this will turn into the same evil, the same evil of coming, it's the same thing. And, 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 and we have to be very much, and now, it, now it's expressing itself with anti-Semitism. And they're going to be so cruel without Mashiach they're going to, with pleasure, do more than what, what Hitler did. Who? The, the progressives. Now, one of the bases, like you said, was, is egalitarianism. Egalitarianism is completely an opposite value of the Torah. It's against God, very strong, even though it sounds beautiful. And one of the areas, one of the current real um, points of struggle, and this struggle is within the, the Jewish community, are women's rights. Meaning, I want to give an example. A woman, can women assume the position of being a rabbi in a shul? So I'm just saying that the, the, the giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, that everyone is coming from, from a good place, and, and 99% of people are coming from a good place, the, ide- the ideal of egalitarianism, of equality, that why should there be a certain job position that's not available equally for both genders is something very, very contrary to the Torah's hashkafa. I'm not even, talk, I'm not even talking about halacha. But I want to take a step back. I want to quote, I just heard a very good insight from a woman at Ebbetson called Miriam Kosman. She gave words to me that were phenomenal. And she says like this, she uses the Nevi'a, our topic, that's why I want to bring it on over here. That we have throughout history certain positions in Jewish leadership that were for women. We have the seven Nevi'as. They were leaders. But, yeah, very important but. There are opposite types of leadership styles. The, the leadership style of a Navi, as we'll speak throughout this class, by the way, is not only for women, but it does not exclude women, is contrary to the leadership of the Koyan. A Koyan is a position of leadership. If there is anything today similar to the position of a Koyan, it is a communal rabbi. You have a temple, and you have the one running the rituals of the shul. Kohuna was always excluded from women. It was even excluded from most Jewish men. And without going into the nuance, 
But here's the Nekudu. That when Hashem created the world, Hashem created the world, it says clearly, Zachar unekeva b'ra'am. There are two genders. It's all connected. All of these, liber- they, they know intuitively the evil that's manifesting is manifesting with all of this. There are only two genders. And they are male and female. And male and female genders on purpose need to be not only different than each other, but in many areas they have to be opposite each other. This dichotomy is the source of creation. These ideas are explained and it's good to give words to it. I'm going to give you another different but equally important dichotomy. Havdalah. Or the concept of Havdalah. We make a ceremony called Havdalah. I don't know how these liberal Jews make Havdalah. Because the whole Havdalah is celebrating the opposite of egalitarianism. Havdalah means is that we are acknowledging and we are giving value. We are subscribing value to the fact that in the world there are certain things that have to be separated one from the other. There is day and there is night. Opposites. And you only have the, the, the beauty of the world only functions when you have opposite powers which taka create tension on purpose and we navigate and we somehow resolve that tension. That is life as we know it. So when God made the world in many cultures and Lahavdal, they stole it from us, we had the two Kruvim. And God's voice came from between the Kruvim. The two Kruvim represents two opposite forces in nature. If one were to equalize and to harmonize, to bring together those opposite forces, not me knowing how to swing into this one, swing into that one, when to be bechesed, when to be gevurah. If you're going to actually take chesed and gevurah and mix them together, the universe will collapse. And the same thing is with male and female gender. They, 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 they channel opposite energies, male energy and female energy, and they have to remain separated. And that creates the tension that the world needs. And when you, when you blur that dichotomy, erroneously, I'm making shalom, I'm bringing together. It's like, it's like what, what would happen if you would figure out how to put up a mirror in the heavens so big, so strong, that during the night you would see the sun? It would destroy the world. The world needs day and the world needs night. That's a good question. Isn't it so interesting now that they're trying to, this all this gender yeah. bending and all this stuff, it's pre-Mashiach times. Make, well, this is evil. I'm saying that the, 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 the dignity, listen, there's a lot of good over here because there was a certain amount of suppression, a certain amount of lack of equality that, that is klipa, that is evil. That women are thing out getting freed from. Right. I'm, not talking about that. I'm talking about the the, the the subjugation of women too. That kohuna, that that type of leadership needs to be done by a man. I'm not saying that every man is so masculine, but I'm saying the concept. It's a male way of leadership. Nevio a navi is a feminine type of leadership. I'm not saying that all of them were feminine. If I care, most that are quoted are men, but this type of leadership is for men and women. Rabbi, you know what I'm thinking as you say this, and I never thought of it before. Uh, Hashem starts as, as a whole, as unified, as singular. And then as one is singular. As one, right? And then it divides, and it seems as though people are trying to go back to that instead of the, fulfilling the purpose of... The, the, the purpose is, is to leave the divisions and then to use, 
to use the daytime for what day should be used for. Use the night for what night should be used for. Coexist. Used co- coexistence. Women the way they're supposed to be utilized in the world. Men the way. Mom, 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 mom. You know that there was actually there's a book that was written right now in the, in the reform movement. It's very interesting. The book was the the feminine ascent and the masculine descent, because what they realized is that the more and more women are being introduced into the rabbinate at the same time, like right now, the numbers less and less men are entering the rabbinate by wow, them. Wow, wow. Makes sense. Not motivated or? Whatever, it, there's a certain tension between oh, men and it, just the way it works. There's it, because it doesn't work. Mm. It's either this or you can't you can't mush together like Koirach wanted to take away the divisions. We make a a, a davening. I'm, they're gonna they, they probably took it out already from the Siddur. Halavai they do it sooner than later. Havdol is against one of their uh, idolatrous ideas. They, they are against Havdolahs. They are against divisions. Right. We are so pro-division. Right. They're Jews and they're Goyim. Right. We're not, there's no, it's different. We're not, everyone is equally important for God. But it, we're different. There's the Gid and there's a Goyim. There's day and there's night. There's land and there's sea. There's male and there's female. And, and, and each one is different. And, and in many areas, they're opposites. And the type of leadership that, needs, that the world needs through kohuna, which is more about rigid ritual, which is what a shul is. You got a daven. Kohuna is also a lot of crowd control. That is male. And you'll see Nevi'im were very much individual oriented. Many prophets receive prophecy for an individual. That type of koyach is a feminine power, certainly at l- also a feminine power. Not to standardize. Like by nature, men wear uniforms. Women, at least, they used to not wear uniforms. When a woman walks into shul and someone else is wearing the same dress, most women that I know are not that happy. And a man is so happy. We all have the same hat and the same kapote. It's, 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 it's just part of our makeup. When the Torah speaks about that God created us male and female, the Torah is not only speaking about physically, the Torah is speaking about emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Separate. Separate uh, opposites. Functionality is completely different. Okay, so anyways, that's just, I want to give this as, as a hagnomas that, that, that women have to be leaders. The word that we give for their leadership is to be a mashpia. Mm-hmm. And that, is, that will be mirroring a lot more these nevi'ois prophetesses and dafke not to channel the kohuna which is a male type of leadership yes okay, sorry sorry two questions then i'll stop it quick questions so sorry everybody so nevua is a receiving receiving is female so how come we have male nevian that's one question because the, the kahunas for men is nevia is receiving and sharing Receiving and share. Oh, yes. okay. Okay, fine. Check that one. Next, when when um when the female and male are balanced and we have peace and equilibrium in the world, then we are able to receive shchina. But again, shchina is female. So doesn't the balance get messed up because there's extra female, or is there a male counterpart? Well, well, let me let me say it like this. It says when Mashiach will come, the female the female uh, power will be experienced and celebrated as superior to the male power. That, that, that the, the, woman, the woman will surround the men. So the that the Eishas will be the crown of her husband. We will always be separated. When we will daven, when Mashiach will come, there's going to be separate men and women. It all begins with the Mechitza. 
Oh, it's all, it's, it's all, you go back and you see that all of the, the struggles that, that are coming based on a erroneous value and a value that will bring a churban to the world, but Mashiach is coming, that's going in that direction, is egalitarianism. And, and so many people, they are so indoctrinated with this, with this nadashkeit. It's a nadashkeit. It's, it's, it's a shekel. It's not true. It's not the way it is. Is that when they learn, when they learn, like some people were learning Rambam every day, women, amazing. But they got, they got hurt by the Rambam. Because the halach is the way the Rambam words, the halach is if you begin with the premise that egalitarianism and other progressive um, well-intended, horrible ideas. Once you, once it begins to resonate with you, and, and if you're not aware of some ideas that are mamish, the opposite of Torah values, you, you'll be macabalit because it sounds nice, as did communism. I'm sure as did Nazism. I'm putting them all in the same thing. If it's not from God, we don't know where it's going. Just in the recent history, the nicest ideas led to the greatest of evils. And, and I'm pushing, I was hearing now stories of the Friedrich Rebbe, how Jewish Fruma people were caught up in communism. And going to shul right now, you have no idea, in Fruma shuls, in religious shuls, how many of our youth, because they watch movies and they hear the radio, and every idea of progressivism is dressed up in beauty, and it's presented the way we should present Yiddishkeit. And some ideas, like communism, they sound theoretically nice. Everyone, no one will be hungry. There'll be more home. It will resolve. It's going to resolve. Socialism as well. It's nice ideas. Right. And, and, and it's just not the emis. And when it's not the emis, it corrupts. I'm not saying people have bad, bad intentions. I don't think we're there yet. But once it begins to corrupt, once it's against God, the one who will always fight against it will be the Jew. Because the Jew has the title. The Jew says it's not fitting. No, you can't have, you can't have a woman rabbi. And, and then, so then the Jew and Judaism becomes the enemy of the enlightenment. And therefore, for the betterment of the world, the Jew has to go. And the Jew has to go, begashmius, that's what the Goyim think. And that's, that's, that's the moment in history that we're, it's a repetition right now. That's, what, that's how these progressives feel and all of these left-wing people feel. We, will, we are stubborn because, because we have the Emmys. So we are the only people that even though it's so popular now to be pro-Palestinian, it's so, it became so popular, it's scary. Only a Jew knows the Amos. We stand up. It's mamish going on right here in Pico Robertson in the neighborhood council. Because the, these progressives are trying to get all the seats on the city council and the rest of them are filled by Jews. And it's like, it's, it's a fight. It's a war. It's a machomet. It's a war. It's a war. It's a war. the Jews are tired. We're like, the few of us that are there fighting for this, we need help from the rest of the community. It's, and if anyone thinks that this is not important, you're wrong. This is so important, of course. It's so important. And this is every. This is in the universities. You know how much oh, the, the, the college students, yeah, yeah. the fruma, I'm that so they. I'm happy my son doesn't want to go to college. It's terrible. Very, it's terrible. Very, it's terrible. Very much the forefront. Mm-hmm. Then again, then but then it goes. Then it I goes. I tell you, um, De Blasio, and it's not so related, but a little bit with anti-Semitism. De Blasio came out that Williamsburg, and I forgot which other area. I think it was Bar Park. One of these other places fruma. are the least vaccinated people. So I think it's very scary. There's another flare-up. I think it's yeah. going to open doors that it's oh, for because sure. of the Jews. For sure. It's like I'm already but, like... But, but I'm saying, but the, hate, the hatred to the Fruma Jews is not from the vaccines. It's because all, all of the ideals that they hold now into being enlightened, telling all of them, only people that are from, we oppose them because we look in the Torah 
And the, the beauty of the Jew is, is that they make their ideas look a lot nicer than ours. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, for me, there are better politicians not only that, it, it, all of these, like going back, it, everyone is equal, and everyone should have equal opportunity. No, everyone is equal, but not everyone should have equal opportunity. Like we, we have these ideas that are such losing ideas in the, in the stupid yeah. world. So whether we have good ways of explaining it or not, the Jew is good that we stand stubborn. Right. I know this is, I can't explain it, that's a chayk. I know this is what God wants. It doesn't look nice, it doesn't look popular, the gavaldik koyach of the yid. And that's what happened also by the Fidik Rebbe, that the few stubborn Jews, so we mamish, we, keep, we hold the Torah, even when we don't understand it. So there's no dialogue with us, right. because they would win the debate. It happens to be that some of us are gifted, some of us feel that we could, but it's not the point. A yid that doesn't care if they can win a debate or not. That's the emes. This is the emes. So the kids and Hashem should help us that we should be inspired by the, the seven women and, and we should channel... Can I ask you, can I ask one question? You can ask many questions. Oh, okay, well. um, just, okay, just how come, like, Kahuna is a male energy type of leadership. Yep. And only males can tap into it. Yep, and only Kahanim. And only Kahanim. Right. And Nevi'ah is the female, uh, whatever. I didn't say it. that. I said Nevi'ah is a type of leadership that both men and women can tap into. Got it. So I thought it's more of a female energy, but no. so then my question was going to be how come males can tap into No, 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 no. It's not a, it's, it's, it's just a different type of leadership. My point, and again, Nevi'ah is that I'm quoting this Rebetz and Miriam that was very wise. Her point was, is that women always had positions of leadership. But there are many different types and positions of leadership. So just to put in context the question right. whether but a woman also can... you said like mashpia, but males can also be a mashpia. Males and women's must be a mashpia. Not they could. That we were here in this world to be mashpia. We were here to be mashpia. Let me tell you this. Women are the ultimate mashpias because they actually create life. <laughs> Not that they influence someone's life for the better. They make life. The greatest act of hashpa is what a woman does. We spoke about this many times as Hasidus explains that a, that a recipient, the definition of a recipient is not the way people think to receive. Ah, that's a, that's a mistaken interpretation. A recipient means that you are given a kernel and when you pass it along, you don't pass on the one kernel. You, because you knew how to receive it, you somehow managed to develop it into something infinitely more than what you received, and then you pass it on. That's the koyach, that's the koyach when we say that a woman is a makabal. Woman, a woman a makabal doesn't mean that she's not a mashpia. It means that the koyach, we all, we all listen. So for example, when you teach someone something, I'll give this, I want to give not a biological example, I want to give a, a seichel example. When there is a, a, a genius that's teaching. So there's one student that hears, that understands, and then repeats what the teacher taught. That's a male characteristic. The koyach of mekabel means that you heard the teaching, you broke it down, you restructured it, you restructured it in a way that it's infinitely greater than what you received. You would not be able to do it had you not learned from the teacher. And then you share the wisdom. That is the koyach of a mekab. That's exactly what malchus of atzilus is. 
or let's speak about the physical earth, which is a manifestation of Malchus of Atzilus in this world, is that you put a seed in the ground. The earth is a makabal because makabal doesn't mean that she receives the seed. If you would put the seed by a man, he would also receive the seed. But the earth takes that thing, it disintegrates it, and you know what the earth gives out from the seed? A tree. Wow. It got a little dead seed, and it gives forth a living tree that produces infinite amount of fruits. That's the koyach of Mekabal. And L'choyra, I'm going on the limb now, L'choyra by Nevi'a, it was the same thing. In other words, that on one hand, the Navi needed to be faithful to the word of God by prophecy. Perhaps, perhaps, theoretically, the woman Nevi'a would be different than the male Navi is that there would be a certain amount of her own packaging which would for us, for the people out there, get a lot more that she somehow managed to do because of her koyach of being a makabal. Again, maybe by Nevi'ah you can't do any uh, change, I don't know. But Moshe Kibal Torah Messinai, that's the emphasis just going to Moshe Rabbeinu, that this, this ability, this feminine ability was something that Moshe Rabbeinu also had. Because what God told him, that's not Nevu, I'm talking about Torah now, he heard it in 40 days and he shared it in 40 years and he, it became infinitely greater, so to say. So to say. Like the oral Torah is the, is the mother. That's a good example. The, the woman. The oral, the, the written Torah is, it's the words. The written, the written Torah is limited. That's what Kabbalah says. There's only X amount of letters. The oral Torah is infinite. So infinite. About, what about the last What's the, how would you describe the male giving aspect? The male giving aspect is to, is to, take, to take the seed and to pass the seed on to someone else. So it's just the same seed that continuously... Yeah, which is also good. So is there's that Hashem? A, um, Hashem has both powers. Hashem has both powers. But in the dynamic of the Jewish people and Hashem, is he the male and the... the we're the female. We're the female. So he... He gives us... He, he gave us the Torah. Unchanging Hashem. And God wants for, the, for us to take the Torah and for us to make this world into a divine world. That's amazing. So we have to unpackage, we have to, we have to figure out how to take that, the kernel, and to make it into a living being. Is that like Havaya? Um, I have to be careful. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Good, so uh, what did you say? Which name of God does that refer to? The, na- the name, the name of, of, the, of Malchus is Adnus. Adnus means the boss. That's why women can be very bossy. There has to be some sort of connection with that. Can you use the master, the master of the home. Huh? What is the word It's hard to translate perfectly. Mashpia <laughs> means to shear. Um, What's the shorsh? Because you said the word. Hashpa'a. Is it the root of shefa? Or is yeah, 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 yeah. No, tai shefa. Okay. I don't know what that means either. Okay, there's light. There's, when something is flowing out of you, then the source of the flow is called the mashpia, and the flow is called shefa. Okay. And now, I want to. I'm going to conclude with this. There are two. Oh, this is another way of wording. There, the, you have in Hasidus light and shefa, or the source of light is maor, and the source of shefa is mashpia. The reason why there are two different words is because it's two completely different ways of sharing. Oir, ma'oir, don't acknowledge 
the recipient at all. Like the light bulb is shining, whether you are there, whether you're not there, whether you can appreciate the light, whether you, whether you want to, pre- it's giving everything to everyone on the same level. Mamash, everyone is getting the same light. The koyach of a mashpia, men and women, is more when the giver is in tune with the recipient, makes an assessment, how much can the recipient receive, and give to the recipient only that amount. So when you're pouring, shefa means a flow, when you're pouring a water from a larger keli into a cup, you're called a mashpia. Because you're not aware of it, like right now what happened, because if, 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 you, if you would have exerted a lot more power, it would have overflowed. That's called an act of mashpia. In other words, it's, it's not only giving, but it's giving with the, in, with the right amount. There's a big koyach to that. So God is sometimes called a mashpia, and sometimes God is called the source of light. Source of light is that God is so removed from everything, God is giving, like God gives the Torah. God is not teaching you the Torah. God gave it. In fact, that's called light. Torah oir. If you learn, you'll learn. You need to have sometimes there's someone in between that takes the Torah, learns it, gets in touch with the people, understanding what the people will get, what the people won't get, and they can be mashpia, the Torah to the people. Not everyone can tap right into the light. It's too overwhelming. And I would even say that's, that's part of, I think, so part of the Navi is receiving and sharing. So let's say like Sarah Aminu. So what was she sharing with, who did she share? So let's, con- so there's not everything she said was Navius. Okay. But there was certain, there are certain Navius that have to be channeled through a woman. And again, there were thousands of Jewish prophetesses. Mm-hmm. But these are the seven ones that are recorded in Tanakh as being a Navius. So are we gonna go through? Oh yeah, sure, sure. We're gonna come on. That's just intro. That's Atkan the intro. Okay. Have a wonderful day, people. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just have a lot of questions. Like, what's the difference? And.